Today on The Faction, it's our recap of Royal Rumble Weekend. We're talking NXT TakeOver Phoenix and the Royal Rumble pay-per-view itself. Hits, misses, and more. That's all today on The Faction.
faction. One, two, three! Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. What's up, family? Happy Monday. Yeah, we're kind of in Royal Rumble hangover. It's podcast exclusive. I like when we do this kind of thing for all of you guys who are subscribing to our regular podcast as we have a whole lot to talk about today. It's your man GB. It's the faction. I'm never by myself as we talk all things Royal Rumble. My good brother's with me, Courtney Beard. What's up, brother? Salute, my people. We are all the way up, and you know what it is. It's the Monday after Royal Rumble, and I got a lot to say. Yeah, we definitely have a lot to say. This whole Rumble weekend was most interesting, that's for sure. But before we talk about the Rumble, how was your weekend, man? Man, my weekend was actually really, really good. So many amazing things happening in my life right now. Awesome. And uh, I'm just exploring all the options opportunities and all that good stuff but then again it's just a, a mega wrestling weekend yeah so between that family hanging out with Quinnetta, doing some uh wrestling stuff man things are looking like they're on the up and up i like it i like it i like how about it. you because i saw a video of you on stage two weeks in a row with a microphone in your hand <laughs> I really don't know what's happening these days. I, I mean, I, I don't really know what to call you. I mean, do, do I need to call you reverend, no, no, pastor, no, no, bishop, no. I, I am not, apostle, general manager, I am not taking Booker. any of your titles from you. No, I'm not. Um, I mean, just, like, head of talent relations. Now, I'll I take mean, that one. I'll take that. You'll one. take head. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I'll take head of talent relations, and I'll take uh, lead announcer. Or something like that. Which, by the way, it was a crazy moment. During the Rumble, um, I think this was when Ronda, and I'm jumping ahead, but you'll understand why I'm saying it here. Ronda did the um, Three Amigos suplexes to uh, she did? to, to uh, Sasha Banks. Sasha. And yeah. Yanni, and I immediately was like, oh, this is a la Eddie Guerrero. And Yanni's like, you so should be an announcer. I was like, wow. You should be. Brother, l- listen, the wrestling world has no clue what they're missing by not employing this African-American uh, uh, wrestling renaissance man whose brain is like the best computer that you could ever imagine. <laughs> and GB looks at no notes. He just recalls things oh, out of the database of his brain. Oh, man. GB's brain is the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> Gosh, I haven't heard Dewey Decimal System in years. You know what? What is? I'm here for you. What has Google and the internet done to libraries? Oh man, they, people will never know. Never the duty of going to that little drawer, Listen. finding where you're at, pulling the little drawer out, yeah. flipping through those little. See, the reason why our generation is so good at texting, cause we all them, all them finger years of going through the Dewey Decimal sure, System, we sure did. of rolling those index cards. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, you find the book you're looking for and go get it. Yeah. They, Shout out Dewey Decimal System. Now these kids, all they do is Google if they do that. So, yeah. I get, I think if I just said this, these kids, that almost made me sound old, though I'm not. It's just we've lived through lots of different technological spurts. And so... We've seen all of that stuff, which is a lot of fun. So Dewey Decimal System, libraries, all kind of cool stuff. So we may or may not be graced by the appearance of uh, Brock Clack today. Well, um, I don't think he'll be here because he's in conflict. He's in conflict. Yeah. And, I, and I'll talk about it more. Yeah. Once we get into uh, the 24, 
I will tell you the reason why I knew last night Brandon Jehoshaphat Clack would not be on the show mm -hmm. because he's a man not of the woods like Justin Timberlake, but he's a man in conflict. In conflict. We're definitely going to get I have the exclusive here we're, for you. We're going to get into that, and that's for sure. So without any further ado, let's jump into all things Royal Rumble weekend. Uh, it was indeed a very, very big weekend, certainly in the world of pro wrestling and without question in the WWE. So we're going to kick things off as they did with NXT TakeOver Phoenix, which emanated hey, from hey. the Talking Stick Resort Arena. Big, big night that kicked off with the War Raiders defeating the Undisputed Era to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Matt Riddle defeated Cassius Ono. Johnny Gargano defeated Ricochet to become the new North American Champion. Uh, the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler defeated Bianca Belair and the NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa retained his title and handed the first takeover loss ever to Aleister Black and then some things happened after the show which we'll talk about but first let's get into this whole NXT takeover Phoenix situation what were your thoughts good brother I thought it was really, really good. Here's the deal. They rocked into the Talking State Resort Arena, which that place has been mentioned several times here. They packed the place out. And uh, I, I, normally I would go in order. But GB, I'm just going to tell you my exact thoughts. Mm -hmm. You ready? Yeah. Mauro Ronaldo, MVP. Forever and MVP. a day. Forever and a day. MVP. Mm -hmm. Takeover was good. Mm-hmm. But my God, GB, Mauro Ronaldo calls a pay-per-view like no one we've seen since Jim Ross, even though he's not Jim Ross. Mm -hmm. I mean, he called the snot out of that pay-per-view. Yeah. Ricochet goes airborne. He said, ladies and gentlemen, chairs in the upright position. Yes. Table trays locked and loaded. Yes. I just, it just drew me in. Yeah. The way he is passionate and sells everything out. Mm -hmm. Mauro, if Mauro Ronaldo were not calling TakeOver, it wouldn't have been as good to me. So, so let The wrestling was good, mm -hmm. but the story he was telling on top of it, it's very, and I don't give this credit often because he wore the star. Two weeks ago in the NFL world, we talked about how uh, Tony Romo called one of the greatest AFC championship games ever. Because he was equipped to do so. Mm -hmm. Mauro Ronaldo called the mess out of that pay-per-view. And I started with that because I know your love for Mauro. Well, I have a huge affinity toward Mauro Ronaldo. And I'll have to say this. You know, we were very upset about two years ago when Mauro Ronaldo uh, came away from uh, SmackDown. It felt like he was being uh, demoted. It just felt wrong. Um, because he deserved to be on what many considered the main stage. But the NXT schedule worked better for him. The NXT product made far more sense for someone of his passion. This is what, to me, made NXT TakeOver great. And so it's unfortunate that Brandon Clack couldn't be here or isn't here or maybe is just slacking somewhere um, because... I'll explain it at 24, well, where he's at. Well, be, because, because I did something that would have made him proud. I purposely wanted to, as I was preparing for Royal Rumble, start watching or rewatch previous Royal Rumble matches. 
I wanted to just get the feel of things and see how things changed. And I was going to throw some trivia at him today, and maybe I'll just have to do that Wednesday. But um, one of the things that I noticed that makes a show hot, and I think this is what has always worked for NXT, NXT UK, and I really saw it in the 1990 Royal Rumble, and that is when the crowd is engaged. Uh Everything. Listen, when the crowd is engaged, an average match becomes a great match, you know. Right. But when the crowd is disengaged, forget it. And so it's amazing to me. If you go back and watch the 1990 Royal Rumble, man, the crowd was so into it. It was just unreal. It was unreal. And then you had, again, a combo of uh, like Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura calling the 1990 Royal Rumble with the people involved, it legitimized everything. It and did. so to your point, you know, when I go back to 1990 and see that unique combination, whenever you have those elements of great in-ring work, but a crowd that's fully engaged, and then commentators who can actually engage the audience it's a win. It's a win. And so without it's a huge question, win. they did that. And that's why Morrow is right for NXT. And, and yeah. uh, you know, people talk about King and, and, and Jim Ross back in the day. But what also made that was it was them. Plus, there was decent in-ring content. And I say decent because looking back, it's not as great as, as we thought it was. But certainly the engagement of the crowd. And so, yeah, that that's what makes Takeover so much fun. Is, is well, engage with the crowd. couple that, couple that also with what Triple H is doing, because War Raiders, or as I still call them, War Machine, put on a very good match oh. with the Undisputed Era. Oh, I mean, that match could have been on Sunday and mopped the floor with everything moving. Sixteen minutes, fifty-seven seconds. Within a what, like, GB was War Raiders intro not a that oh great? their intro was their oh. intro was WrestleMania esque I mean Mania it was so so let me say this right and, and I know we're, we're getting ready to go through matches but this is one of the few takeovers that I actually would have booked a little differently would you put them last I would have put. Uh, War Raiders, that match second to last with Ricochet and Johnny Gargano last. Okay, okay well, let, let's, let's do this. We, we, we've never done this. Mm-hmm. Rebook the pay-per-view. Do it now. Go ahead. Okay, if I'm going to rebook the pay-per-view, I'm actually starting the pay-per-view with Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono. That's how I'm starting okay. the pay-per-view. Then I'm going to follow it with uh, Bianca Belair and uh, Shayna Baszler. Then I'm okay. really throwing the curveball in and giving you the uh, NXT Championship match third. Normally it would be last. I'm giving it to you third, and then I'm that giving would be you... your first and last booking if that didn't work. Oh, well, well, <laughs> here's why. It would, and let me explain to you. Now we could argue a couple of things. You could say hindsight is 2020, but it would not be the first time an NXT Takeover did not have the championship last. Let us remember Truth, all. But of, they never had it third. Well, let's remember a couple of things. Two matches left. Well, let's remember a couple of things. A couple of things is with NXT, we're more interested in how we are leaving the crowd feeling 
than we are with whether or not the NXT championship is last. And I think, and it's funny, because WC, excuse me, the old NWA, uh, when they got into the world of pay-per-view, started doing things like that. And I was just like, wait, it doesn't make sense that Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat are going to be in the middle of your card. And then you're going to dare to have something follow it. The key is, just like any great musical performance, you should always be climbing. You never want to get to a point where you peak out before the show is over. Because what ends up happening is the crowd has invested so much. So here's what happened. By the time we hit on this pay-per-view, Ricochet and Johnny Gargano, there was nothing left for the crowd to give. Because that match was so incredible, nobody could follow it. Nobody could follow it. So let me also throw one other thing, and I'm way out of order in here. Here's the other reason why I would have put that third. Because I don't know what it is, but for some reason, Aleister Black, as of late, has not been captivating us as he once did. When he first got to I agree NXT, that. when he first got to NXT as a match, we were just loving it. And who can forget his amazing match to take over with the Velveteen Dream, right? True. But this True. just goes to show how it is about chemistry in the ring. It is about what the dance partners can bring. And here's what we've learned: we've watched Velveteen Dream over a number of takeovers have great matches with everybody from Cassius Ono to Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, and we've watched Tommaso Ciampa have great matches with Johnny Gargano, with Velveteen right. Dream, and several others. But this pairing of Tommaso Ciampa and Aleister Black, which should have been something that on paper seemed like it was great, it just didn't work. And I felt like Tommaso was who he was, but I felt like Aleister Black just did not bring that certain je ne quoi, dare I say, that would make us go, yeah, I'm in. Particularly after a match like Gargano and Ricochet. Right. Uh, now, I, I would agree with that. That, that. There was some punch that was missing. Yeah. I actually felt like that they could have took the three minutes extra that they gave them and gave that to Ricochet mm-hmm. and Johnny Gargano because they went 23 minutes. Yeah. And Tommaso Chop and Alistair Black went 26 minutes. Yes. If I had to rebook the entire show, I would probably start out with Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair. Okay. Let them tear the house down. Yeah. Even though I felt like they could have had better chemistry. Yeah. So so let's let let's go there because there was a lot, and I do mean a lot of controversy surrounding that match, particularly, and it really had nothing to do with Bianca or Shayna as much as it had to do with one Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts, right. who is a uh, podcast, um, he 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 owns he he operates a podcast. He's also a radio show host on a uh, Sirius XM. He, uh, as of late, has been a part of the NXT pre-show, which, by the way, I got to say, is an amazing opportunity for someone who is not a WWE employee to get that opportunity to be on television an hour before the show. That's prime real estate. So he's on the show, and as they tend to do, they ask their opinions about the matches, who they're picking, so on and so forth. Well, he went on. To really have an entire tirade about Bianca Belair and uh, Shayna Baszler. And he received a lot of controversy. So 
I want to tell you and read to you exactly what he said, and then we can really kind of decide what we think about it. Let's do it. So here's what he said. Let's do it. He says, you know, he was asked what we're expecting. He said, we're going to see Shayna Baszler be dominant as she always is. We get to see Bianca Belair finally step up and get the opportunity to challenge for the women's championship. And then he goes, it's it's not, I mean, well, I don't think, eh, it's not takeover worthy. Bianca Belair, she's a good athlete, but look at the list of women's champions. You've got Shayna Baszler, you've got Charlotte, you have Sasha Banks, you have Oscar, you have Kyrie Sane. This is elite of the uh, this is a list of the elite women in wrestling, and Bianca Belair is nowhere close to that. Takeover has become what Takeover has become. There's only five matches on this card, and we're going to sit here on the panel and act like there's a possibility that one of the most skilled women in the history of NXT needs to worry about another woman hitting her with a ponytail. He then continued to say she's not going to win. She doesn't have a chance to win the match. You know she doesn't have a chance. Even you with those rocks clinging in your hair, talking about Pat McAfee, You know Bianca Belair does not have a shot of beating Shayna Baszler. And when we walk into a takeover, knowing that the challenger doesn't have a shot to win the championship, we're wasting a match. Bianca Belair is a great athlete. I'd love to see this match on NXT TV. Put it on NXT TV. She'll be champion one day, but you know what day she won't be champion? Today. She's not ready. Now, I will say I watched him say this live he said everything i just told you that he said and social media myself included went crazy i'll talk about what i said in a second but here's the question that i want to ask was sam roberts right in the way he handled and addressed this match well gb this is what happens when you take a podcast guy and you put them in front of the camera we are podcast people. We own our own thing. Oh, well, you own it. You own this. Uh, Clack and I just get, get a chance to come over to your house and play. But you own it. We're podcasts. We share our opinion. We get a chance to speak on behalf of the demographic that we represent. And people tune in to see what we're going to say. We're the outlandish or if it makes sense. Now, to be very clear, Sam Roberts also crapped on Johnny Gargano. But I'll go with one Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He comes back later in the night and says Sam Roberts clearly was wrong. Bianca Belair put on a great a great uh, match. Now, I'm on Twitter. Some guys are calling it racist. Some calling it sexist. Let's not do that. It's not either. I think that that's his own opinion. He believes she shouldn't be on the show. So it's Bianca Belair's job to go out there and show him I deserve to be on the show. Now, if she going out there and stunk the joint up, then we'd say Sam Roberts is a prophet. But she didn't stick the place up. She actually did great. So Sam has his right to an opinion. But we can't be offended by his opinion. Go out there and prove the man wrong. And that's what she did. So here's my thought. And I'm coming from a slightly different perspective. I am coming from the perspective of, you know what? I know what it's like to desire a major platform. I know what it's like to be respectful of a platform. In, in fact, those who don't know, I've got a radio station. And on that radio station, there is something and other publications that I've worked for. And I've always believed in something called journalistic integrity. 
Journalistic integrity teaches you to be objective and to be respectful, all right? Let me give you a case in point. Last week, when we made our Royal Rumble and NXT TakeOver predictions, our heart of hearts, and I, in fact, said that my heart of heart wants Bianca Belair to win the match. However, I'm not sure if she's fully ready yet to be champion, so I don't think she'll win the match. That is a statement that is completely different than saying this is a waste of a match, that people don't want to see this, that's disrespectful to Bianca Belair, and to say, no, don't put this on TakeOver, put it on NXT TV, and you know what day she'll be champion? Not today. I think what ended up happening is Sam Roberts started feeling himself, and let's be very clear here. Let's be very clear. So they put you on these panels to give an opinion, but your job when you are doing the pre-show is to sell the show. That's why they well, put he sold it. Well, no, 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 he didn't. Because here's the job. The, the deal is those things are on varying platforms to get you ultimately to be interested enough in the show to buy the network. Even if you felt like this was a waste of a match, which is incredibly disrespectful. Let's look at this. When you get to a point of NXT TakeOver, not all the guys in NXT get a chance to perform. Velveteen Dream, who's one of the hottest stars in the company, was not booked for the show. So it's not a foregone conclusion. I think as a journalist, it was incredibly disrespectful, and it showed that he did not— But he's not a journalist. He's a podcaster. But no, 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 no. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When they meaning you, he had enough money to buy a computer and a microphone. When when they put you in a position to be in a spot like WWE and you get to be on the panel, I'm not saying you have to be a yes man, but you do have to be respectful of all of the talents. You're not a regular on there. That's the equivalent of, of going to somebody's church and destroying their church and completely disrespecting whatever the culture is in that church, talking about, I just got to be me. But, no, you don't. But you GB, don't respect but the GB. And that quote, Stephen A. Smith, I'm not uh, like this because I'm on TV. I'm on TV because I'm like this. Let me put they it They knew what they were if, getting. If that's what, no, 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 no. Let's be clear. Sam Roberts has never gone off like that. I've watched Sam Roberts several times on WWE platforms, on that type of thing. He's got opinions. He's never gone off like that. Not ever. Let me just say this. As much as I would love to be on a WWE pre-show, do you know how much hate mail I would get on a WWE pre-show if they just said, Courtney, we want you to be you? But let's let's just be clear, though. Do right? you know the but, ignorance that I say wait, on this show? I, but here's the thing. You do it consistently so people know what to expect from you. Same thing for Stephen <laughs> so, A. Smith. So, so, so you're saying I'm consistently ignorant? No, I'm saying you are pro- you produce consistently. So we know if, you, if there's going to be something off the wall that you say... We might be shocked by it, but we go, oh, that's Courtney. We don't sit back, and, you know, and when you hear it enough, you know what to take seriously and what not to. For Sam so, Roberts so for you, to do this, was because it's completely out of character. I've watched him several times. So this is inauthentic to the person you've seen displayed on his on his platform or any other platform? It is not platform. consistent. No way. It's not okay. consistent. Now that I can take. So that then leads people to say it feels malicious if it's outside of the norm in which we would actually see him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's outside of the norm. 
And so that's okay. why people take it personally. And I'll tell you, when I saw it, I was turned completely off. I'm like, what is happening right now? And you can look at the look on the face of Charlie Caruso, who's like, what? Like, nobody was prepared for that. Well, do, do, do you, well, I, I don't know if I want to go here early. But, you know, I'm reading some people saying, man, they think that it was maybe trips in his ear telling them, hey, say this. Well, see, this but, is. But you're saying it felt this, natural. This is, this is, and, and this is inherently the problem with the wrestling industry right now. We have become so accustomed to our default line, which is it's a work. It's a work. Everything's a it's swerve. A work. We think everything's a swerve that we we wouldn't believe, and I hate to say this, but we've seen this happen. If someone was significantly injured or or fatally injured, we wouldn't believe uh, it. Nah. We wouldn't believe it. We were somebody got injured in Takeover uh San Antonio and we thought that it was a work and it was real. Right. I forgot it was at Takeover. Right. It, and it was uh it was it was Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. And we thought so so this is the problem with what has happened inherently in the industry. We don't believe anything anymore. I mean, go back a couple of years to when Pero Aguayo passed away. In the Pero Aguayo Jr. passed away in the ring. You know, we didn't know what was happening, but for a while we're like it's a work, it's a work. And then you're like, "Oh my god, the man's not moving." Okay, that's not a, okay, wow. You know? Yeah. So I think people have to to stop trying because let let's just Let's just call a spade a spade. If you are a podcast guy and you show up an hour a month to W, an hour a quarter to WWE programming, I'm certain they're not sitting in your ear telling you everything to say. So they trust that for an hour you can do what's needed to be done. And this guy clearly didn't do it. And Bianca had a lot to say and, and other things. Like, so let's do this. We got to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll continue our conversation on NXT TakeOver. I hated this haircut, too. Yeah. We'll talk Royal Rumble as well. That little fade on the side is stupid. Yeah. Well, and it says a lot. So we'll do that. We're going to go. Speaking (laughs) of Bianca Belair, here's her theme song. And uh, we'll be back with more of the faction right after this. I got a lot left in the tank. What's up, guys? This is Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. And you're tuned in to the faction. I'm on my own against the wall. The pressure's building, but no, I will never fall. Instead of crying, they hear me roar. And now I see that I'm way better than before. I never needed you at all. Think I fall down? I'ma watch you fall down. I'm living large now. I never needed you at all. Think I fall down? I'ma watch you fall down. I'm living large now.
me roar And now I see that I'm way better than before I never needed you at all Think I fall down, I'ma watch you fall down I'm living large now, I never needed you at all Think I fall down, I'ma watch you fall down I'm living large now, I never needed you at all I never needed you at all Watch me, watch me shine now Watch me, watch me shine now I never needed you at all Welcome back to the faction powered by Bonafide Radio. That was Bianca Belair's Watch Me Shine. You know, with all that hair, GB, she should probably do like let me whip my hair back and forth. She should really, you know, (laughs) man, she whip my hair back and forth. I think that ponytail's a little too long. Because I was watching her run, and when she runs, she has to grab the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, you know, if she isn't going to go full avatar, she should really cut it. Yeah, you know, I I can see how that can be. It can make moving and things for her difficult. Now, she normally normally has it rolled up at the top like a big bun, which can work better for her because she's incredibly athletic. 
um, and and does a lot of things. So speaking of Bianca Belair, when we last uh, were talking, we were talking about the comments that Sam Roberts had surrounding her. We had differing opinions on it, which is perfectly fine. Um, but my question now is, so what are our thoughts on Bianca Belair's first takeover match? Um, what what did we think? I, I, I thought she did good. I mean, I, I think Shayna Baszler has such an unorthodox style. Yes. That um, you can almost expect, unless she's probably wrestling Ronda, to, for there to be some fluidity issue. Mm-hmm. So she, 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 you don't wrestle uh, Shayna Baszler for smoothness. Right. Like you don't wrestle Brock for that. So I actually felt like she did her job. She she entertained the crowd. She entertained the... Guys, Jimmy just knocked his microphone over and you would have thought that a baby fell. Oh, yeah. So we, here's yeah. what I know is that when this baby gets here, GB, the baby, if you're listening, you're in good hands. Oh, yeah. He caught that microphone. <laughs> Very fast but, reflexes. She did good, man. She really did. Um, it wasn't your typical takeover wild the crowd type deal. It was a good wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And if she would have wrestled anybody else now, I hate to say this. I can't wait to see Bianca Belair and Sasha. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you just see two people, you're just like, you now, and here's what the wrestlers always say. If you find two people and you think they're going to tear the house down, they're probably not. Oh, wow. But, but Bianca Belair and Sasha have matching styles. They would tear the joint down. I think she did a really good job. She told a story. Yeah, and and I'll say this. I really... It just, it just bothered me so much because, first of all, it's Bianca's first takeover. Um, you know, and... It's not like the girl was handed this title match. She had to earn the title match, and she beat three top stars, including Io Shirai, who was a she finalist really in the uh, 2018 May Young Classic. I mean, she didn't beat a bunch of slouches, and I just have a problem with, with people downing. First of all, first of all, let's start here, and I, I don't really want to be even more controversial. But Sam Roberts was not a pro wrestler. Sam Roberts has never been involved in the wrestling industry. He's a fan like we are. And I would dare to say that if we got into a battle in terms of knowledge and things like that, I think we could take him with no problem. So with that said, does it qualify you to say that a match before it's even happened is a waste of a match? You know, and, well, well and I mean, I say that all the time, G. I mean, how many times do we walk into a pay per view? But you, but and you say that. that you say that here in an environment where we're not charged to push a pay per view, we can say whatever we want. We have our own standards, but we don't. Well, we, we, we don't we were, know if he's charged to put, push the pay per view, or if he was trying to put somebody over or put somebody by under. Them. He's getting oh, paid G- by G- them. G- speculation. That's speculative. You think you're putting he did that your for own free? Conventions. No, I'm just saying you're putting your own journalistic conventions on a podcaster. Wait, TV. let me. He's a podcaster. It only proves he can go to Best Buy, buy a computer and but, a microphone. So then this is what that does. This does not put you and I in a good situation. If you're calling him a podcaster, that's what we're considered. He's not us. 
Right, and but you pay him to be Charlemagne. No, you don't pay him to be Charlemagne because he's not Charlemagne anywhere else. That's the problem. If this were Charlemagne, if Charlemagne was being Charlemagne, then we get what we paid for. This is not Sam. This was not indicative of who Sam Roberts normally is on a day-to-day basis. When you hear him on his on his radio show, or previous times that you hear him on a WWE or NXT show. I mean, that's the thing. And like, and, and let me I just, put it this way: I, even if you had a JBL, who you know as of the as of late, I've not been a big fan of JBL, but you don't bury the talent. You're not there to bury the talent. You're there to get the talent over, whether you like I them think, or not. I think that we got to be okay with somebody saying this match should be on the card. Now, maybe he shouldn't have gone on as far and he didn't say this. This is not a quote to say, uh, 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 they, you know, they shouldn't be up here because they suck, which is basically what he said about her. Maybe he shouldn't have gone that far, but he definitely has the right to say that this isn't going to be a good match. But he doesn't have the right. But no, see, this is where we're differing because in this scenario, on your platform, you can do what you want to do. You're a pastor. You understand this. In your pulpit, you can say whatever matches the environment and culture of that place. But when you go to another place, you have to be respectful of what's happening in that place. And you would never, if you didn't agree with the way they were doing things, you would never say that across the pulpit. And that that is that is integrity and that is honoring the place that you are. And what I'm saying is you don't go on the, in, on the NFL – when you get those former football players who now turn into analysts or whatever, they don't bury the game. They don't bury players. What they do, they may not like a play. They may not like the way that this one coached it. They might not have liked the way, but they don't bury the people. That's what he did, and that is not right, and I don't care who tries to justify it. If I'm getting paid by a company to represent their product, whether I like the product or not, if I'm accepting the check, my responsibility then is to, okay, promote this because that's really what he was there to do is to promote it. You can give your opinion uh, within a certain guideline or parameter, but it's not your job. In that case, he should have just went off and talked about how New Japan was better than WWE if he was really oh. going to do that. But nobody was bringing up New Japan, GB. But, they but, were talking about the magic point, of the night. My point is, if you're just going to go rogue, you don't belong there. You and I both, listen, we understand it so much that when we say things here on this podcast that are anti-WWE, <laughs> we will apologize and go so far as say, oh, well, there goes our job opportunity. Because we, if we understand <laughs> it on our own platform, don't think we're going to get on their platform and all of a sudden bury them. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if I would bury somebody, but if WWE brought me and they know what they're getting, unless they tell me otherwise. But here's the thing that I will land on that you said about Sam Roberts, the man with the hair and the terrible side fade and the terrible beard game, that if he's not done this on his platform, he's not done it on anyone else's platform, then you have no choice but to say that this is malicious. And it is. And it is. 
And so, so you think you 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 think that you're that that I mean, and this is a statement I'm just asking. You honestly think that you could outwit him when it comes to wrestling historian and his wrestling uh, data? If you will allow me to, um, <laughs> if you allow me to uh, channel. Uh, Brandon Clack's favorite wrestler. If you would just give me the liberty to go back to 1997, 1998, and put on a black vest with black boots and black trunks, I tell you, oh hell yeah, bring him on. And you know what? I would do it. I would do it respectfully. I don't have to call him out of his name, but I would love to go toe-to-toe with him on wrestling knowledge and show people how this can actually be handled. I felt like, here's the crazy part, I felt like when we talked about this last week, whether or not Bianca Belair was ready, we wanted her to win because we like what she represents. She's new on the scene. You don't see a lot of African-American female wrestlers who are doing it. We feel like she is representing very well. She's athletic. She's gifted. We love her. We think she's fantastic. We said we weren't sure if she'd come out of this particular match as champion. We definitely see her one day as champion. But boy, we want to see this opportunity happen. And that's a completely different story than saying she is not elite. She is not in the caliber of the other women's championships. She, we, we did not say anything like that. What he said was completely anti-Bianca. He didn't even say anything that was pro Shayna. Well, you know what? Well, that, that's true. He didn't say that. But I, I will go to this. Bianca Belair said this after the match. You know what? And I quote, Mr. Sam can say what he wants to say because I literally just pushed Shayna to her limit. So, Mr. Sam, you can kiss me ASS. Not my, me. Mm-hmm. With an Irish wit to it. Mm-hmm. You can kiss me ASS. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Bianca has a lot to say about it. Well, and uh, she should actually prayerfully consider who else she makes that offer to because there are some people who would take her up on it. But that's uh, another story. Gl- that's gladly a- they would. <laughs> gladly, with pleasure. So um, I will say this, though. I do feel like one thing that uh, the superstars of NXT do very, very well is they take TakeOver seriously and they give their effort. Now, I will say I could tell she was nervous, um, which is understandable. It's one of the biggest crowds she's ever performed in front of, uh, particularly when all eyes were on her. But you know what? Bianca Belair is a star, and she absolutely took Shayna Baszler to the limit, and I thought it was a great match uh, for where both of them are in their career. Uh, like you said, Shayna is not known for being super smooth. All of Shayna's matches are always a little different. You know, they're a little different than the normal flavor of NXT, but it works. Um, and so, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I watch NXT for. I watch NXT for some kind of way. Uh, just like uh, I watched the end of Scandal, I watched the end of This Is Us, because that last 15 seconds is going to tell me something about the future that I didn't know. Right. And Taker, Takeover, oh, I said Taker, <laughs> Taker, wish you could wrestle at Takeover. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the last 13, 15 seconds was magical. It was. It was. And I, and I have to say this, they continue 
to raise the bar on how to keep people interested. We've gotten used to, okay, at the end of TakeOver, something incredibly magical or something unexpected is going to happen. So to see DIY standing at the top of the ramp, each with singles championships, as someone on this show predicted last week, um, it to me was magical to see really the culmination of these guys beating each other's brains out for a year to come back and now hold singles championships. But here was the genius of it. The genius of it was they told the next part of the story when things literally were off the air. Now listen, is is Triple H not the best territory booker in the non-territory era? God, it's amazing. This is straight out of the pages of Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Straight out of the pages of Georgia South. Yeah. Out of the pages of AWA. Yeah. Shout out Fritz Von Neren. Mm-hmm. Triple H booked this thing like a local territory and it killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when you when you wake up the next morning, the entire internet is talking about this fight that happened and this brawl that Triple H had to break up. And then WWE picks it up and they're like yeah so now halftime heat is gonna feature all nxt which if you don't believe nxt has value the last time wwe attempted to do something during the super bowl we're talking rock mankind in an empty arena all right so for those who could not seemingly make it today who would have argued this point and i know he would have he's just gonna have to listen to it The reality of it is this proves, again, why we are in the greatest era of pro wrestling to tackle the halftime show during the Super Bowl takes guts. It takes a... Against Maroon 5. Against Maroon... And to call Maroon 5 out the way they did on the show. Be careful. It was incredible. Because Maroon 5 has six members of their own. Don't make them show up. Now, hey... Listen, now I'm sure they're not going to turn down that opportunity, but yeah. Yeah. And 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 they're putting their six biggest stars in a six-man tag match, which I think is going to be absolutely amazing to check out during halftime heat. So, shout out to NXT. Think about think about what Triple H is doing there. Vince McMahon for years avoided the internet. Did. He avoided that it had any uh any any uh goodness into it. Triple H has taken a podcaster and put him on the front of the show. Triple H knew that cell phones will be rolling, so he said, let's do this at the end off camera. Mm-hmm. He takes the things that we do daily and he turns it into wrestling. Yeah. I mean, this man is legit. and He's everything that we expect him to be about the business. He is, and that's why we love NXT because it's done expertly. He doesn't rely on doing the same thing over and over and over again. He makes it different. He makes it special. And that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So with that said, uh, of course, NXT TakeOver Phoenix was followed by the Royal Rumble, the 32nd annual Royal Rumble event, which emanated live from Chase Field, the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks in in Philadelphia, in Phoenix. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Over 48,000 people attended this baseball field that kicked off on the pre-show with a match that wasn't originally scheduled. But it saw the Raw Tag Champions Bobby Roode and Chad Gable defeat Razor of the AOP and Scott Dawson of the Revival. Talk about a makeshift tag team. 
Shinsuke Nakamura became the two-time United States champion by defeating Rusev in a fatal four-way. The cruiserweight champion Buddy Murphy successfully retained his title against Kalisto, Akira Tozawa, and Hideo Itami. We get to the pay-per-view and Asuka defeats Becky Lynch in an incredible opening match. Shane McMahon and The Miz defied the odds by defeating The Bar to become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Ronda Rousey retained her Raw Women's Championship against Sasha Banks in a very physical contest that ended with Sasha putting those four fingers up in front of Ronda's hands and no telling where that's going to go. The 30-woman Royal Rumble was won by Becky Lynch, a.k.a. The Man. Then the new Daniel Bryan. (laughs) Retained the WWE Championship by defeating AJ Styles. Brock Lesnar retained the Universal Championship by defeating Finn Balor. And Seth Rollins would win the 30-man Royal Rumble match, but not after a surprise entrant took the number 30 spot, beat up the number 30 entrant, and became only the third woman to enter a man's Royal Rumble, arguably the most dominant woman to battle in that scenario, that woman being Nia Jax. Lots to talk about and unpack about the Royal Rumble. Let's kick off the discussion when we come back. This is a total package Lex Luger and you are turned into the faction.
the faction. Yo, it's not a faction without the facts, son. Welcome back to the faction powered by Bonnerfide Radio. You know what time it is. It's Royal Rumble, and I'll kick things off. GB, they actually did it. 48,193 people mm-hmm. in a field that normally has 49,000 people at its max. So they were a little, what, 807 people away yeah. from breaking the record? Yeah, but, yeah, but. Uh-oh. Yeah, Are you but. calling it preacher numbers? Are well, you calling it preacher numbers? Well, here's the deal, right? So remember in a baseball field, that's 49,000 people, but none of those people can get on the field. So remember, they had people on the field, which you have to have people on the field. They clearly cut that place in half. It was very evident to me that they cut it in half. They were careful with the camera shots. If you'll notice, you know, normally at the Royal Rumble, they have the WrestleMania sign hanging. Yep. It wasn't hanging. It would only show up on the backfield where the big screen was. And that was the only time that they made reference to that back area. Think about it. Those baseball fields have giant screens, and they would have normally utilized that. They didn't. They used the dugout as the screen so that you don't have to show where all the people are. So really, they had the ring kind of around where maybe the pitcher's mound would be. Um, And then they had some seats following that, but nothing really on that back end. So the camera stuff they placed well it was i really wish someone would publish who was there a full picture of that place so that we let could me see. uh because i saw no, i saw black tarp i'll just say I, that I, I i tried to fish a picture out yesterday <clears throat> and it was at chase field and i tried to fish out a picture yesterday and when i tell you there were limited pictures i mean it, it, either yes. people weren't posting from there or I, I don't really know what happened, but people, I, I just couldn't find anything. I, I really mm-hmm. couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. And uh, when they did it all over in Saudi Arabia, I could easily find it. Sure, because they because it was full, and so since it was full, they made sure there were a lot of pictures of the I full mean, arena. They make sure they, and that's a great spot. That was a spot that normally does soccer. So again, they have a lot of seats in the arena uh, up top, but on the floor is where you have to start putting seats. That's why you. That's for instance how they could get a hundred thousand people into uh, the AT and T Stadium in Dallas because you're putting stuff on the floor where the football field normally is. I so, mean, they totally scrub these pictures. They're nowhere to be found. Sure, they scrub them. And on top of it, what's interesting is if you remember originally when they were talking about Chase Field. They were estimating 50,000 people would be there. Then they started talking 40,000. I noticed stuff like that. So it was 40,000, 40,000, and then they got to the 48,193 number, which kudos to them, you know, like that's a big deal. But I was very interested in how this was going to be shot because it's a baseball field. Yeah. And the last time they did something on a baseball field, was a Safeco field in Seattle for WrestleMania 19. Um, And that was actually a pretty neat WrestleMania. It was the return of Shawn Michaels, and uh, you had Undertaker in a handicap match, and Booker T fighting for the world championship. And it was where Brock won his first world title against uh, Kurt Angling, did that insane um, uh, flip off the top. 
uh, the same type of flip, strangely enough, that Shane McMahon did last night. And to win nailed the it for a 49-year-old. Shane nailed it. Brock didn't. Brock almost um, died. Brock almost died that night. But so, you, if you'll notice there, again, the way they handle all that was very different. They used all of the field. Not the case with this scenario last night. Yeah, one of the main things I noticed was it didn't take guys long to get from the stage to the ring. Because they were going from the dugout to the, the mound. That so, never so, takes long. So literally, that means that whole field to the straight in front of the, um, the, the ramp. Well, no, ramp to the left. That area straight, uh, it, it would be from camera side right. That mm-hmm. probably was empty. Yeah, you can basically look at it this way. Right field, you know, left field, center field, empty. Wow. Wow. Well, I thought I thought that uh, Royal Rumble kicked off. It, it, it felt like a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. It had a big fight feel. It did. The crowd was all the way up. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about what myself and the fourth horseman, John Murray, talked about in our group chat last night, which is this. I'll just say it like this. If I were on the East Coast, I wouldn't have made it. It was too doggone long. Four hours. Uh, almost five hours. That, I was begging that pay-per-view to end. Almost five I hours. I was yeah. begging it to end. Yeah. They have to do something. Guys, you cannot keep us for five hours at least start the pay-per-view at 4 o'clock or something. Do like what you do overseas. Start it at 1. Well, two, here's, for God's here's sake. the piece that you also didn't count. You also didn't count the uh, two-hour pre-show. Um, right. So, which had three matches in it. So, so the crowd was there seven hours. Yeah. So, But a five-hour pay-per-view? I mean, if I could have rebooked this whole thing, I mean, I would have had it. Now, I thought it was smart to start out with Oscar and Becky Lynch. Agreed. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miz and Shane McMahon against the bar. I actually could have saw that on SmackDown. I really could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronda now, Rousey. See, now, do you see how appropriate it is for you to say that here, but how inappropriate or inappropriate it would be to say that in the pre-show see, of that? I'd say the same thing there. Dude, and you'd I'd not work again. Same thing there. You'd and not be there matter. for another day. As long as I got the screenshot that I was there. Then that's crazy. That See, see. Okay. All right. I'll, I got the screenshot. I mean, gee, if you're booking me, you're booking me to be me. Listen. Ronda Rousey versus Sasha. Great. Becky Lynch uh, winning the Royal Rumble. That women's Royal Rumble went one hour and 12 minutes. And it was good. It was too long, gee. No, wait. Now, 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 Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, Jesus help us. I took several naps on that match. So, so here's so here's an interesting thing, right? Uh, the original Royal Rumble, uh, it was a two-minute interval with each participant. And, <laughs> Thank um, God that's not happening no more. Well, it's only down to 90 seconds, but here's the deal. We, we sat through Ric Flair winning the world title, and Ric Flair was number three. And he lasted in there for over an hour. Um, you know, the Royal Rumble match itself is designed to be long. But because there are so many moving parts, it doesn't necessarily feel as long as it actually is. Um, Yeah, but I think here's the problem. To me, here's the problem. The problem is this. You cannot. For for instance, if you keep 
trying to make everything the big thing, then nothing's the big thing, right? That's true. So here's the problem. There was a time where we'd go where we knew WrestleMania was going to be the longest show of the year. And so where your pay-per-views were normally two and a half to three hours, WrestleMania was four hours. But because it was WrestleMania, it was okay that it was four hours. We got 12 matches or we got 13 matches. We got a tournament. We got this. We got that. We got these special things that made it special. Where it's problematic now is it's as though because you have the WWE Network, you no longer have time constraints. So you now have your regular pay-per-views starting not at 8 when they used to start, but at 7 and still ending at 11. So your normal pay-per-views are four hours. You now have these, what you call the big four or the big five, depending upon who's counting, and now you're making them longer. So here's where we have a problem. Monday Night Raw is already long at three hours, and it's not being filled well, all right? Right. Then you take us to pay-per-view, and you make pay-per-view four hours. Right. And then you make WrestleMania five or five and a half hours. Right. And so what you do is you and it's not fast paced action. It's not all stuff that keeps people engaged. So this this can backfire against WWE if they're not careful. I think their desire and I'm going to say something that might sound controversial but this is the same thing that created the problem for Fire Festival. This desire to be bigger than what you actually are and not really having the full infrastructure to support it. I don't think that it's smart. Let's just say this. WrestleMania is supposed to be your big event. So if it's going to be your big event, you have to let it be that. They have made Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, uh, uh, Summer Slam. They've made those events to be just like WrestleMania. Let me explain. WrestleMania used to be the only time of the year where you'd have a weekend worth of events for fans. Access, you know, TakeOver, Hall of Fame. It was a whole weekend, which is now turned into a week. Well, they've done the same things now for Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. You can purchase a travel package the same way you do for WrestleMania. So if you've met now essentially given us three or four WrestleManias in one year, what do you do to make WrestleMania bigger? Now, it gets longer, and there's more date. You, you can't do that when you don't have the kind of content to sustain that. Wrestling, we love wrestling, but I've done four consecutive days at that level, and you are worn out. So let me ask you this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches on the card that were not on the uh, dark matches, as I still call them. Uh, which, If you had to bust that down to four matches for the night, what would it have been? Well, obviously, you have to have your men's rumble and your women's rumble. I okay, would pick say- two more. So you have your championship matches, uh, which is the Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar, Finn Balor. Um, here, here's my thought. Ronda and uh, Sasha? Well, see, Asuka and Becky was a great match, too. 
I would say this. I would say there the tag title match would be off. Okay. Um, I would say, uh, hmm. You know what's hard about this? Okay, here's what I would say. I would actually take the. Mm, this is hard, and here's why it's hard. Because on one hand, I'd take the Universal Title match off and put it on for Elimination Chamber as a pay-per-view. Um, but the problem is they look at Brock as such a draw that man, you need Brock at a Rumble to fill up forty-eight thousand, which is your other problem, right? So you get this giant arena, which does not do wrestling. And you've got to fill it up. So now you have to put as much stuff on there to try to make it work. Well, I'm going to tell you what I've it's done. A problem. I've, t- I've taken off the tag title, but I also would have taken off Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles because they could hold their own on a SmackDown, and they could have tore the house down and made history on SmackDown. But here's the problem. We've seen that match on SmackDown a couple of times for the championship. Um, I, I, I Here's the thing. I think what we have here is a degree of... I don't want to say this word, but I will use it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think we have a degree of oversaturation in WWE. Um, You know, and so because of that, you know, you've got two world champions. You've got two world champions on the women, uh, two world champions on the men's side, two world champions on the women's side. Uh, You want to make it so that the big event is filled with championships. And that's fair. And that's right. So either you have to shorten the matches or because here's what we know: if we know there are going to be two Royal Rumble matches, right? Um, and you figure that at the very least is an hour apiece. That's two hours. So where are you going to fit your other matches in if you're going to keep this as a three-hour, three and a half-hour show? Now, I know people won't like this, but maybe you can't afford, from a time perspective, to have two Royal Rumble matches on that pay-per-view. Considering the length of the matches, I I don't know, but what I do know is I think that a four and a half hour Royal Rumble pay per view is a bit much, and I do think that what this leads itself to is a uh, six hour WrestleMania, which I don't know uh, if they have enough ways to keep our attention for that because six hours sitting anywhere is a long time. Very true, very true, very time. true, I, very true. And, and I'm gonna not lie to you, I dozed off so many times during that men's match. I mean, I just I, well, I, I and, was and tired. here was the problem, right? So you had this again is where the booking comes in. The excitement of the actual Royal Rumble match makes it very difficult for a singles match to follow that up. So yeah. if you're gonna have a great singles match, it needs to be with some folks that are incredibly over. So with that said, let me say this. I actually, and I knew this was going to be a much better match than people realized, but the Brock Lesnar-Finn Balor match was very good. I hated the ending. Yeah. But it was very good. I mean, like, to me, Finn Balor came out the winner because Finn really showcased how great he is and the fact that he was the first guy to just take it to Brock. Like, he didn't right. sit back and wait for Brock to do stuff. He caught Brock off guard and made Brock win the match in a way that was different than he normally does. I can't even deny it. I can't. 
I mean, I watched him yesterday. There actually seemed to be some type of a psychology. He walked like he figured something out. Yeah. It was almost like he'd watched enough film mm-hmm. to say I figured him out. Right. That I can't brawn him, right. but I can outwit and outquick him. Mm-hmm. And he did. He 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 really did. The thing about Brock though is people talk about his suplex game. His best game is on the ground. True. How did he beat him yesterday? True. He was on the ground. True. And once he gets you on the ground, like Dean Malenko, there's a thousand moves he can put you in. Right. And we I hadn't seen that move since he beat Hunter with it. Exactly. Exactly. And that was four or five years ago. And now, and 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 I'm not gonna be a hater. He looked great too. You know what? I I will say this. I I, I feel like there was great representation there. It wasn't a 30 second match. Um, and it was everything you you wanted, with the exception of Finn Balor not winning. I mean, you know, I, I just think that again, not to see sixteen suplexes in a match was a good thing. Not to see seven F fives in a match was a good thing. Like we really got to see something that was different. And you know, I really had gotten tired of Brock matches because they all were the same. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna suplex you fifteen times. And do four, uh, you know, F5s. And, yeah, if you survive one, great. If not, he's going to get more frustrated and do another one. And do another one. That's why I don't want to see Brock and, and Strowman again. Because that's all that was. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. that. Yeah, I, I will say this. I felt like the Rumble started off, you know, with a lot of promise. I don't know that it ended as such. You know? Um, I, I, I'd agree with that. I, I, I would agree with that. And, and the crowd was in, but then the crowd didn't really start losing steam until the middle of that Royal Rumble match. Right, right. Because, again, you're asking these people to do a lot. And, you know, let's just let's just be honest. You know, at a baseball game, those seats aren't exactly designed for comfort. And so they only keep you at a baseball game for three hours. So you're sitting in those seats. That's uncomfortable. I'm sure the seats on the ground, you know, if anybody's been to a wrestling match, they don't provide seats for comfort. They provide seats to be with as little room in between as possible so they can get as many people in. Yep. So you're not dealing with comfort. And uh, it's a long time. I don't know how cold it was. I know it was in Phoenix, but it is still Phoenix in January. So uh, I, I don't know. I just think when you have something, that's why SmackDown take over you know they're at the right length for you to be able to enjoy them and not reach your limit in terms of being tired of something i'd agree with you i totally would agree i think that they really got to fix this time thing they do they They really got to fix it because if that's like nobody wants to and i not listen we are the chiefest among wrestling fans We love this business. We love the sport. We love watching it. But sitting down for four and a half hours is a very difficult ask. It really, really. Let me put it this way. Even New Japan, who we expected to give us a six-hour pay-per-view for Wrestle Kingdom, they trimmed theirs down to four. So, WWE, let's just be really smart about that. So, 
Please change it, guys. Or either they're going to have to change that, or either they're going to have to knock these guys coming into the rink every 60 seconds. Well, uh, either and that, I, or here's the other thing. To your point, you know, make the chiefest of the chief, the top of the top matches, hit this pay-per-view, and then hit the rest of them, to your point, on a Raw or SmackDown. We would have loved to see the Universal Championship defended on Raw. God, when was the last time that happened? You know, Wait, man, please. This man has defended the title five times. Yeah, and don't and get he's, me started. Yeah, so five times. So, so yeah, I I think there are ways to get around it such that we won't feel cheated. And considering you're doing a package for those guys who went to the Rumble to also be at Raw and SmackDown, just like you do WrestleMania, it'll be the same people. You get to spread that content out over a few nights, and now yeah. it really feels special. Listen, Triple H has it down, man. Two hours, two and yep. a half hours. Yep. And and we're invested in the story, and it's just it's just absolutely great. Before we go, uh, I wanted to leave a little bit of room to talk about since we're in Royal Rumble season, uh, some of our favorite uh, Royal Rumble matches or moments from the 32-year history of the Royal Rumble. There are some things that stick out, and I'm sure Clack would have something, and maybe we'll leave room for him on Wednesday. But, well, uh, we, we, we all know why Clack's not here today. We, we, uh, we, please we tell know us why. why he's not here. Well, it's easy. I mean, if you stuck around after Royal Rumble yesterday and you saw some of the tension of uh, the Brock Lesnar throwing a belt, Brock Lesnar, who Clack loves and adores and thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. If you saw that and then you saw him throw that title that Clack loves, at Clack, the man he calls father, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the two loves of his life when it comes to wrestling. Mm -hmm. Have beef. Yeah, very There's clear tension. beef. Very, very, very clear beef. And I think it was too much for Clack to handle. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. Yeah, he's a ghostbuster. and He's in control. And that's why he's not here. Yeah, well, that would explain it. Uh, I definitely want to leave some room to talk about 24 on Wednesday because I think it was... He has some explaining to do. There's a whole lot of explaining to do. He has some explaining to do. But top moments, of course, you know, if we go back and forth, um, you want to, you know what my number one is, 1992. Absolutely. The Nature Boy mm -hmm. with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mr. Perfect and Mean by God Gene Oakland. Mm-hmm. Rick Flair, he has the same haircut as the mom on Family Ties during this time of his life. <laughs> he wins the Royal Rumble. That is by far my greatest Royal Rumble memory. And it was one of only two times that the WWE Championship was on the line at the Royal Rumble match. Very true. Very true. Very true. So there was that. And then there was, of course, I believe it was 2016 when uh, Roman Reigns defended the WWE Championship inside the Royal Rumble match. Um, so Ooh, I, mean, I remember that. Yeah. And Triple H ended up being the champion. Uh, so certainly the flair moment was a favorite of mine. I got to go back to 1990. 1990, uh, of course, Tony Schiavone is calling it, which, you know, uh, I was a big fan of Tony Schiavone's work, still am. Um, but to hear him on a WWE broadcast was really significant. But the moment was during that big match. The first ever face-off between Hulk Hogan, the WWE champion, oh, God, and yeah. the Ultimate Warrior, the Intercontinental Champion. 
1990, this kind of thing didn't happen. Your two biggest superstars, who were both fan favorites, did not ever face off. And yet we get this historic moment in 1990's Royal Rumble that was held in the Orlando Arena, the same place that Hulk Hogan would come back just a few years later to defeat Ric Flair and win his first WCW championship. So what an incredible moment. Hulk Hogan, uh, the ultimate warrior. Again, this type of thing did not happen every day, and it led to something. That's what I thought was really, really cool to see that they used that moment to lead to uh, certainly one of the biggest WrestleMania matches of all time, Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior, title versus title. Again, this type of thing was brand new. They didn't completely turn Warrior uh, heel. It was just, oh man. So 1990, that was one of my big, big moments. And uh, oh, I absolutely loved that about the Royal Rumble. Listen, this thing right here that I'm gonna say to you is everything. Do you remember Royal Rumble, the story, 1997, mm -hmm. that Steve Austin and Bret Hart told? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We yes. never talk about it. It's yeah. one of the best stories they've ever told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you build a rivalry. Absolutely. That one right there was incredible. Absolutely. The buzzer went off, 21st entry, Bret Hart. And you saw Austin with the old crap face. Right, right. That was one of the best stories. And also, to me, that was monumental because that was one of the passing of the torch moments. Yeah, yeah. I believe that that helped to us uh, roll out the carpet for the uh, beloved Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of, I think, the many things that did that. And that was pretty incredible. See, you know, to, to me, this is, this is off course. Bret Hart gets the Janet Jackson treatment sometimes. Which is, the music industry likes to act like that the torch was passed from Madonna to Beyonce, and not act like there was a there was a, a Janet Jackson who held it down for almost twenty years, and we like to act like it went from Hulk Hogan to the Attitude Era, and not that Bret Hart didn't hold the company on his shoulders for years. Well, I think part of the reason that that has happened is because of the Montreal screw job. I think that Bret Hart became so bitter with all things WWE that he didn't want to be associated with WWE. He was very bitter, held a chip on his shoulder for a long, 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 long time. In fact, when they went to induct him into the Hall of Fame in 2006, he came for the induction but did not stay for WrestleMania. Uh, he was petty boots. It was that yeah. kind of thing. And uh, I'm just like, no, sir. So I think, uh, unlike Janet, I think Brett somewhat contributed to his own, I won't call it erasure from WWE history, but I certainly think that people forget. And the other thing, too, is that time that bret hart was a wwe champion was a relatively dark time for the wwe um he held the wwe on its back during the new generation era uh and during that era it was not a good time for pro wrestling period uh hulk hogan had left at that point in time um you know and there wasn't a lot of very memorable moments listen you had that 94 wrestlemania which was great that saw of course bret hart and owen hart then bret hart would come back later to fight yokozuna that was one of the only times you had the wwe title intentionally defended twice luger and yoko and then bret hart and yoko 
But then you follow that in 1995, where WrestleMania had to go to uh, a civic center in Connecticut in New Haven, right? So when does WrestleMania end up in New Haven with Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow as your main event? Like, so there were forgettable moments, I think, uh, that Bret Hart was in charge of. So I don't know that it's fully Bret's fault. I think WWE wants to forget about the new generation era because they didn't make a lot of money there. They were taping Monday Night Raw at Liberty High School. Okay? And I know where Liberty High School is. It's 10 minutes from where I grew up. And that was not the place to do a TV show. So, yeah. They want to forget about that time. And unfortunately... Brett really Brett and Sean, but a lot Brett uh, led the charge during that period of time. So yeah, um, one of my favorite moments is a moment that people don't really talk about, but it was a very real moment. You know, there's a stat when they talk about uh, you know the people how unlikely it is to go from number one till Uh-oh. the end, and Uh-oh. you know there are only two people. Who have gone from number one to the end. Uh And they will say there are only two people, but only talk (laughs) about one of them. One of them, of course, is the beloved Shawn Michaels, who uh, went back to back in 95 and 96 and pulled that off uh, in 95, going from uh, start to finish. But in 2004, there was the crippler, Chris Benoit, a name that people don't like to talk about. But Chris Benoit went from number one all the way till the end. They've even scrubbed off his time because when they tell that lie that Rey Mysterio had been in the WWE Royal Rumble longer than anyone else, that's not true. Because in 2004, two years earlier, Chris Benoit was in there longer because he was number one till the end. So period, it had to be longer than an hour. Um, you know, and to watch how he ended it by pulling the big show over the top rope by with a headlock, you know, was brilliant. And we've seen that replicated in a number of Royal Rumble matches, including even last night. So shout out. I know people don't like to talk about Chris Benoit for what he right. did out of the ring, but uh, for what he did in the ring, that was a very special moment because it also showed that the little guy could actually carry the company. And we remember, uh, of course, a couple of months later, it would be the two little guys, him and Eddie Guerrero, who would both be standing tall as WWE and World Heavyweight Champion in a powerful moment that was the end of WrestleMania 20, Uh, the, the parting shot, which was great. But unfortunately, that will never be revisited. Uh, as a result of of the treatment of Chris Benoit, but yeah, <sighs> free free uh, Chris Benoit is all I'll say. Free Benoit. Well, I I won't say free Benoit, but I will say because I do understand, I do understand how you cannot think about Chris Benoit without thinking about the horrible way in which uh, not only his life ended but that of his family. And you know, if you think talking about China in the Hall of Fame would be difficult. You know, and, and Triple H is worried about what you Google when you get China. Boy, what you Google when you get Benoit certainly Very won't true. be good. So, you know, Very true. I, I, I get it. I get it. But we will never forget. So, all right. Well, we'll probably take some more time on Wednesday to talk about the Royal Rumble uh, in terms of our favorite memories and give Clack the opportunity to share his thoughts. We'll be talking about hey. Raw. Yes. 
And, and just so you know, I did see this picture where there was a guy in an AEW shirt and WWE officials made him take it off. Really? Yes, and AEW put out a post yesterday on Facebook that said all WWE and other wrestling federation shirts are welcome at AEW events. <laughs> it's interesting because I did see an AEW shirt at a recent episode of SmackDown, uh, and I don't think they meant for it to be on camera. So that's interesting in and of itself. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought that you know how how stand up. Yeah. For them to uh, to, to to write that, and uh, you know Cody. And those guys, they, they wrote it up there that, you know, if one of these shows up at double or nothing, they aren't going to be actually. Right. And it's also interesting. We didn't have time today. Maybe we'll do it on Wednesday to talk about the return of the Velveteen Dream. He came back. He came back. And I would love to know what the backstory is as his accounts are still private. Um, I would love to know the backstory of what all that was about, because to me, clearly some sort of deal was made for him to show up at TakeOver uh, and not be on the card, but still be uh, predominantly uh, shown. So interesting. We'll search that out and see what we find and hopefully have an answer for you on Wednesday. Also, follow our social media because we're going to keep you updated on the championship battle with us here at the faction. Um, I'll let you know what the records were from uh, NXT TakeOver and from Royal Rumble, and who's currently on tap to become the inaugural Faction World Champion. This should be very, very interesting. But until then, here's how you can reach out to us by way of social media. Courtney. At C Major Beard on Instagram and Twitter. Courtney Beard on Facebook. Let's talk. And, of course, you can find me at Bonnerfied on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you're following us at The Faction Show on Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, some cool things are coming, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, join us this Wednesday where we'll be back at our slot on Bonnerfide Radio. should be absolutely fantastic. There will be plenty to talk about as we talk about the fallout from the Royal Rumble and a whole lot more. Don't miss it. That's all coming up. But until then, it's Courtney, it's Clack, it's GB, and we are The Faction. <laughs>